This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campus is joined with us over in Stevens Point and the Fox Valley, as well as all those who watch at home and around the world on the internet. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated again. Good to have you with us this morning. Before we go any further across our campuses and those who join with us online, uh, we uh, take our uh, offering at this time. If you're at one of our campuses and would like to give a check or cash, you can do so on the way out after the service. There'll be people with buckets and stuff, and uh, a lot of people use that. Uh, many people have signed up for recurrent giving, uh, where they go online and say, look, just automatically deduct this much a week or a month or whatever from my account. Uh, and then many of us have been doing, including me, uh, text to give. But if, as if you noticed recently, it's gotten, gotten more confusing, and they've just made it even more confusing. So instead of texting to 77977, they want us to text to 833-694-5698. And I said, no, enough of this nonsense. So we're not doing it anymore. You can, however, still use your phone. And as you saw on the uh, announcements there in the news, you can download our app. If you haven't downloaded our app, little Celebration Church app, you really ought to do so. It's a way for, once you download the app, you can get automatic updates from us about what's going on uh, and anything at Celebration Church. So it's this nice little app and all these little nice information things about what's going on. At the very bottom is a heart. You push the heart, it says give. And then you pick whatever campus you're going to give from. And then you type in the dollar amount. So let me do this. Dun, 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 dun. And that's it. Oops. Oh, no, I want to know what card to use. Which is this one. No, this one. <laughs> For heaven's sakes. Uh, and give. There. There we go. (laughs) 
please use the security code. What in the world? Technology, it's so much fun, it just makes me want to scream. Hopefully this is a one-time thing. See, I get to do this while you're learning, I'm learning. Hopefully you're, some people are using their phones. Everybody's staring at me, so I don't know how people use your phones to give. Now I put in the code, yes, 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 yes. Okay, good, there. Everyone clap for the pastor, he figured it out. Anyway, it really is simple once it's set up. <laughs> so you can use your phone, use your app, you can go to Give, boom. And also you can uh, check out even the uh, little announcements and stuff that we do are on there. So all of that is there. So, all right, let's go on with our message. Acts, the 28th chapter, starting at verse 30. Now for two whole years, Paul, by the way, Acts is the book in the Bible. The Bible is made up of, it's not just one Book, the Bible. It's a collection of books and writings. Uh, and the New Testament uh, it starts out with the four Gospels, and then the book of Acts, which is the record of the early church, and then the rest of the letters from the apostles and stuff, which we call epistles, fancy words, but that's, they're just letters. Anyway, so at the end of the book of Acts, this is the last chapter of the book of Acts, and the last two verses. It says, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. And he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So now we are in the Christian calendar, part of the Christian calendar, which is really the longest part of the Christian calendar. This section now lasts for six months. We'll be in this season until we hit Advent, which is Christmas time, okay? Uh, it's called... Uh, well, it's got several different words. Uh, some people call it common time, which I think is a very odd word. Uh, others call it the season after Pentecost. And some, as I prefer, call this the season of Pentecost. The reason I like that is because we are continuing the season of being filled with the Holy Spirit and advancing the kingdom of God. And we are now called to continue the rest of the story. Now, the context here is if you read the book of Acts, right where it ends, what's happened now is Paul is on his way to Rome. He's been arrested. He appeals to the emperor. And now he's gone to Rome. And we're waiting for this you know, big thing to happen. It's a rather dramatic story when you read it. And just before this verse pops up, Paul is in a horrible shipwreck. Uh, and I've often told you, one of the things about the Bible, it doesn't have a, give a lot of details it just gives the basic facts of what happened. And we're all wondering, well, what else happened? You know what? How did this occur? It can only um, lead up to our imagination. Uh, but there's a few places where that is not true, where there is great detail. And that is just right here in, in Acts chapters 27, 28 at the end. Uh, Luke, who's writing the book of Acts, gives incredible detail. It's like reading a novel. If you have never read it, you ought to read this section. It is dramatic. He is giving a play-by-play -play what's happening on this boat, how the winds are blowing, how the waves are crashing, what the sailors are doing trying to save this ill-fated boat that is headed for disaster. Uh, it eventually falls apart and they all have to swim for their lives. It's really amazing. It's, man, you can feel the wind in your face and the water splashing and the boat creaking as the sailors are terrified trying to save their lives. Why is there such dramatic detail here? It's because Luke was actually there. Unlike a lot of what's written in the scriptures, they are uh, repeating 
but some of them were like personal witnesses of what's going on, and those tend to be much more given to detail. And Luke here just goes in total author mode here, <laughs> and he gives you a play-by-play. -play. How does he remember this? Because he was on that boat, and he was probably freaking out <laughs> with everybody else. Ah! And uh, so it's incredible. So boom, they get, uh, they all swim for their lives, and they eventually have to catch another boat, which gets them to Rome. And then we read that, that verse where it says, so for two years, Paul stayed in his own rented house. You say, well, was, I thought he was a prisoner. He is. He's under house arrest. You'll read that in the verse just before this. There's a guard that guards him. But he has his own house. He's under house arrest. And, uh, and then it just ends. So the book of uh, Acts really doesn't have an ending. It just stops, which is a little frustrating because you're like, well, now what happens? Because... For all these chapters, we've been reading about this dramatic story of how he's arrested and how he's going to Rome and all the stuff that happens and this big, you know, sailing thing that happens, how the ship falls apart, and they get to Rome and pfft, the story stops. And it's like, what happens? Now, all you can do is look into Christian history and see some of the records of what other people say happened. No one's really quite sure what happens. Some believe that's where Paul eventually is martyred. Uh, there's some accounts that they think that he was freed and then went back and preached the gospel again and then eventually was captured again. Who knows? All we know is that it ends uh, just like that and leaves us hanging, which generally I, I, I don't like movies like that. We'll watch movies and we'll get to the end and we look at each other like, what was that? It never really gives you anything to close and it's so highly irritating. We always say, that's two hours of my life, I'll never get back again. And uh, I almost should watch the end before I watch the movie, just so I can see whether or not this is worth watching. But, uh, but then it still doesn't make sense because you don't know where they're hanging you. Anyway, I just hate, I like movies that wrap it all nightly with a bow. And happy endings. I love happy endings. I just, I just do. I hate movies with stupid, sad, disgusting endings. It's just, you know, if I want to be that depressed, I'll just watch the news. Anyway. And that's free. So anyway, the book of Acts ends anti-marking style, marking style, when it just, it just stops. And it doesn't leave. But the point is, it doesn't end. The church continues to go. We are still part of the story. So what happens is Jesus comes to earth. Uh, we celebrate this at Christmas time. He grows to a man. He begins his earthly ministry. And he starts telling people about what God is really like. And he does these incredible miracles and stuff. Well, all the religious leaders of his day are horribly threatened. They should have recognized. It's been prophesied for thousands of years that the Messiah would come. He finally comes, and they don't like him. And uh, they eventually rig it so that he's arrested by the Roman authorities, and they have him crucified, and they think, oh, good, that's the end of it. Well, it's not the end of it. He is crucified on a Friday, Sunday morning. He raises again back to life. And the world has never been the same since. As the gospel is preached all throughout the world and lives are changed because of what happened when Jesus Christ died on that cross for our sins and God raised him again from the dead. And now we are part of this story. And the story goes and the, the era of the church begins. And it just for... You know, the first thousand years, Christianity is spreading all over the place. And not because we have a different philosophy of how to share God. You know, I, I listen to historians sometimes trying to explain why Christianity took off so much. It wasn't because we have a different philosophy. It's that when they would pray for people, miracles would happen. 
God would show up. It's what we've been emphasizing about the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, those people were perfect. They were not perfect. They were completely jacked up, and a lot of them more messed up than we are. We were reading from 1 Corinthians a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, and I always enjoy 1 Corinthians because whenever I get discouraged as a pastor and I read that, I feel very encouraged because these people were an utter disaster. They were involved in all, you know, the guys were going to prostitutes in the church. Uh, they were fighting with each other. They were taking each other to court. They'd go to communion, and they would have, uh, you know, big glasses of wine. They were getting hammered. <laughs> they were getting hammered in communion. Praise the Lord, it's communion time. Grab a couple of jugs, you know. And, uh, and Paul really hammered them for it and warned them if they didn't stop, they would eat and drink judgment to themselves. Ever since then, communion, because communion, the first communion was the last supper. It was a supper. Well, ever since that threat, our, we've just got these little wafers <laughs> and little sips because nobody wants to get judgment on themselves. So what became, was a supper became a real quick remembrance of what Jesus did. These people were completely a mess, and they did other worse things I don't even want to get into. So when I get discouraged, I read them, and then I feel pretty good about where we're at. All right? So when he goes, and the church goes, and people are experiencing stuff. They're experiencing God. It's not a philosophy. Is there a philosophical part of Christianity? I'm sure there is that you could break down and some do it rather brilliantly. But this is about experiencing God. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, this is, you know, it's, you experience God. God comes in your life. And Christianity is different than any other religion in the world. Every other religion in the world, you want to become part of that religion, you have to study, you have to prepare, you have to read, you got to do whatever rituals you got to do, all in the hope of then hopefully touching God. Christianity is exactly the opposite. You start out by just believing the message of faith, and you immediately are touched by God. And you don't know anything. So we experience God first, and then we learn about what's going on. And that's what we're doing this morning as I'm rambling on. I'm trying to teach you about God. So anyway, the church is doing all this dramatic stuff, and it becomes really rather impressive. Now, what happens is uh, uh, because of the Holy Spirit coming, and remember, Jesus told them, before he ascended into heaven, don't go anywhere. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come because it hadn't come yet. And uh, Jesus says in Acts, uh, the first chapter, verse 8, he tells his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power. Everybody say power. 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 So let's have some power in our lives when the Holy Spirit comes on us. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's what happens. They go everywhere. Uh, so the Holy Spirit finally comes. Uh, it's in the next chapter, uh, Acts chapter 2. And these guys see these guys, and they're worshiping God, and they're speaking in tongues and all these things. And then people, some people start making fun of them, saying, well, they're probably just drunk. And, and uh, uh, Peter gets up and says, no, uh, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he quotes from the Old Testament this prophecy that something is going to change. Because in times past and ancient, the Holy Spirit of God would just come on one person at a time, and they would do dramatic things, but it was rare seeing. And Joel comes and says, you know, there's a day coming when that kind of spirit is going to come on everybody, where the power of God will be available to everybody. And it was shocking to them. It's still shocking to us. We're thinking, really? Me? <laughs> yes, even you. It can all happen. So he says, in the last days, God, will, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and your daughters. <gasps> Girls? Yes, even women will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women. Now he's really going over the line. 
First of all, they had a very strict caste system. There were those who had and those who did not have. And those were the servants who took care of everybody. They were at the bottom of the list. And he says, even my servants, both men and women, will receive the Holy Spirit. And their lives will be transformed. And that's what begins to happen. And that's why Christianity spreads like crazy throughout the world. Now, um, what happens is over time, the church starts having some serious issues. And you can read about it in history. About, once you get into about 1,000 years of Christianity, and because it's spreading so quickly, and so much power now, and they converted it, the church just got corrupted. Uh, we're talking specifically the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, it's not like that. It's today. But back then, it was very corrupted. And even they will admit they got very corrupted. And uh, they were corrupted by power, and they were corrupted by money. And uh, it just became a mess about 1,000 years in between 1,000 and 1,500 years later. Um, there's an interesting story that uh, is historic. You can actually Google it and see that, that it's actually true. Uh, about, about 1,200 years after Christianity, uh, there's a story about uh, Pope Innocent II. And he has this interaction with somebody. But for you to understand the interaction, we have to go back and read in Acts what they're talking about. So let's look at Acts, the third chapter now. Verse 1, now one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, which was about 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being, and that doesn't mean he was a dummy, he's lame, he couldn't walk. <laughs> You're so lame. All right, uh, look at my grandkids here. So my, uh, he was lame from birth and was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple court. So these people had seen this guy all their lives, all his life, certainly, when he was doing this. And um, he was put there every day. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, this lame guy, guy who couldn't walk, he asked them for money. That's what he did. He was begging. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter says this, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to receive some money from him. And then Peter said this, this is the key words, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. Then he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He takes him by the hand, he lifts him up, and suddenly the man's ankles and feet became strong, and he starts walking, and he's praising God. I mean, it is a ruckus. All these people had seen this guy, knew who he was, and how can he be walking around all of a sudden? And then Peter starts proclaiming, is, and why Christianity took off so fast. This was done in the name of Jesus. Jesus is a healer. The, the same power of God when he was here is still available to everybody because of the Holy Spirit being on everybody. And it was quite a ruckus. A lot of people became Christians from that event. So um, basically, you know, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give to you. So the story here is now in the 1200s. Pope Innocent II was there with Aquinas, and uh, he stood before a large sum of money that was spread out. And the Pope observed, and he says to Aquinas, he says, you see, the church is no longer in that age where she said, silver and gold have I none. And Aquinas replied, true, Holy Father, but neither can she any longer say to the lame, rise up and walk. And it was such, and it's, it was recorded, this conversation. Which, what is it saying? He was basically calling them out. They had become so wealthy, so powerful and stuff, but they had forgotten the power of God. They, they had the money now, but to what extent? So anyway, another 300 years in, the corruption became so bad, it gave birth to the Reformation. Some of you young people, listen, listen, history lesson here. 
Uh, this is about the 1500s. There was a man by the name of Martin Luther. He was a Catholic monk. This is not Martin Luther King Jr. I say that because I'll talk about Martin Luther on my Facebook and everything. Well, he was a great civil rights. No! We're not talking about the civil rights leader. Martin Luther King Jr. was named after Martin Luther, who was the father of this Protestant Reformation. This happened about uh, 1500, uh, 1500s, and it was a dramatic change. He changed the world, popped it on, side, on top of its head. And that's where you got Protestant churches. Luther started what our Lutheran churches. And then from them came all these other churches. And everybody realized we didn't have to be under one thing. Actually, it was good for the Catholic church because then they started to reform and pull away from some of these real corrupt things that they had been into. And today, you're always hearing about trying to get everybody back together again, which will really take a miracle. <laughs> but in a sense, we're already together because we, have, we all share the Holy Spirit. That's why we say we believe in the Holy Christian Church, right? We really are one group of believers in the world. We just have different denominations and stuff, which, by the way, uh, I Googled it yesterday. There are 45,000 different denominations in the world, <laughs> 45,000 different kinds of churches. I mean, holy moly, that's a lot of people who have a different opinion about everything, which is no shock there, right? Uh, so that's where you get all these different churches and stuff. Um, and it all started with Martin Luther. And the other thing that Luther did, which was extraordinarily powerful, was he said, look, this isn't about rules and regulations. We do not get to God by following all the rules and regulations. We get to God by faith, faith alone. This is how all of this happens. And if you're a person this morning who has experienced just the message of faith and believing in Jesus and have had this transformative experience in your life, you can thank Martin Luther. Because up to this point, what happened is everything became, you know, just a ro robotic and some churches still struggle with robotic approach to faith and stuff, and they need to constantly be reminded this isn't about that. This is about faith in God. Not that we don't have sacraments that we do and things that we observe and all that kind of stuff, but this isn't about mechanical earning our way to God. This is about experiencing God, and then we do good things because we already experience God. We're not doing good things to try and experience God. Are you following me? All right, good. All right, three of you. Yes, all right. So away we go. So anyway, we are part of the Worldwide Christian Church, and we are still writing the book of Acts. We are still proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and should be experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit, which is what we have been talking about for a couple of months now. We want to encourage people to experience the supernatural part of faith, God doing things. God will do miracles in your life. Uh, and, uh, but you have to be open to receiving the Holy Spirit and allowing him to work in all of us so we can see miracles. And we've read about the different uh, uh, gifts of the Spirit. Uh, we won't go through them all again. But, but one of them is, uh, Paul wrote, he said, some people by the Spirit receive a, a word of prophecy. Something, they know something about somebody and, and they'll speak anything. Anyway, I mentioned that because a couple of days ago, Deanna got this really great text from some lady, which you don't even know. And, uh, and you could just, as she's reading it, I'm thinking, this lady received a gift of prophecy for Deanna. And she is speaking into Deanna's life in a way that is really kind of shocking. So it's like, uh, she's just reading her mail. 
and saying, and this is what God has for you coming down the pike. This is what God's going to be doing in your life. Da, 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 da. It wasn't just, I hope nice things happen to you. I mean, she is speaking authoritatively in a prophetic sense, and it was really, really interesting. Now, the thing with Bible prophecy or any word of prophecy, uh, might, God might, someone might speak into you, and you can tell God's saying something to you, but the timing, you have no idea. You know, it could be next week, all, all these things happen. It could be 20 years from now before anything begin to happen. It is what it is. It's just God's timing is not our timing, right? So, uh, uh, and then, you know, there's some, and, we, and if we took the time, we'd have different stories of what God did here. Somebody got healed and this amazing thing and, and this gift. Uh, one of the gifts that I experienced once was uh, the gift of faith. Now, this is a very odd story, and I'll try not to drag it out very long. Uh, and I don't even understand why this happened. But all I know is this is 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 20, no, probably 30 years ago. And I was at work and I was working doing some stupid thing. I don't know. And I was popping something into a, into a big box and it had a big metal edge. And the metal edge caught my arm and just ripped into my arm. And it's like a big yo mama scratch and it hurt. And I remember grabbing my arm and I went, oh, Lord Jesus, heal me. And... You know, if you're looking for dramatic miracles, you think more like cancer and stuff, you know, not big ooey scratches on your arm. But all I remember is all of a sudden I had this rush of pure faith. I can't even describe it. In fact, it was so odd, it shocked me. And I thought, well, that was weird. It's just an owie. And I go back to work, and of course, the blood and stuff like that. I just had to finish stuff up for it. But all of a sudden, I started feeling this very warm sensation. And the Bible doesn't say anything about this, but it's uh, often reported that when people receive physical healing, there's a sense of warmth over the area. I don't know. All I know is I sent this real sense of warmth on my arm. I thought, what the heck? And I look. Now, some of you will not believe this, which is your problem. All right? <laughs> I'm just telling you the story. I'm not making, I look at, and as I am looking at this big scratch, it is healing right in front of me. It is like it's just stitching together, stitching together, stitching together. And I'm like, ah! I, I have never seen anything like it before. I have never seen anything like it. Why God shows up at that moment for a big owie, I have no, well, I think I know why, because what happens next? But all of it gets about halfway up, and I'm like, I don't believe it! And it stopped. And I think that was my lesson for the day. <laughs> Apparently, God doesn't like the words. I don't believe it. Anyway, uh, all of a sudden I went, I believe it, I believe it. But, but it was gone. So anyway, <laughs> now it's been so long, you can barely see the scar. You can see there's about this much of it left. I call it my idiot scar because <laughs> this half that looks fine was God. And this is Mark opening his big fat mouth saying, I don't believe it. But uh, uh, again, I think he was trying to teach me Watch what you say. There's, we could do a whole sermon, and we might yet. Watch what you say. Where does it come out of your mouth? You know, a lot, a lot of us, we, 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 the Bible says the words of your mouth can bring life or death. Amen. You speak life or death. Some of you are always speaking death in your life. Oh, it's horrible. I don't know how we're going to make it. I'm probably going to lose my job. They're probably going to do this. It's everything sucks. You're, and some of you speak death into your kids. You're a loser. You're an idiot. What's the matter with you? Man, don't talk like that. Speak life. Everybody say life. life. There's power in the words that we speak. So anyway, that was my lesson for the day. And anyway, why it happened for that, I have no idea. Uh, but uh, it's fun. I have seen and experienced some dramatic things. But it's just God showing up. And you know what? It's fun. 
It's fun when you pray and God answers your prayer, and sometimes it'll shock you. <laughs> Which says something about my faith. You pray for something, all of a sudden you get the answer, you go, whoa. <laughs> You know, but anyway, we want to experience God and we want to encourage people to experience God. And you don't have to face or fear the miraculous. Now, we talked last week about why some people struggle with the miraculous. It's because they're constantly trying to explain everything and figure out everything. Listen, there is a mystery part of faith. And that message last week, if you missed it, go online and watch it. But it's to embrace the mystery. You can't figure everything out. And you shouldn't even try to figure everything out. If you're trying to always figure everything out, the chance of you experiencing miracles are probably zilch. All right? You need to have an attitude of faith. Uh, and you don't have to fear, oh, what, what if it's something evil? Uh, Jesus said in Luke, the 11th chapter, verse 11, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, would you like that sunny side up and have him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You need not to fear these things. Now, having said that, there have been a lot of really weird things that have been done in the name of the Holy Spirit uh, over the time. And, uh, and I was going to get into some of them this morning, but I won't do that. We'll take it as it comes. If, if you're starting to experience something you think is a little weird, come talk to us. <laughs> That's our job, to help guide and lead and stuff like that. But generally, the Holy Spirit doesn't make you into a nutcase, in short, all right? And, uh, and it's as healthy, as positive, it's a wonderful thing. So, um, and then one final thing before we go into our, our communion time here. And, uh, and I may do a whole sermon yet on this subject. But the miraculous hand of God is most likely to be, to be seen in the context of close Christian fellowship. If you are not engaged in close Christian fellowship, the chances of you experiencing a miracle are virtually zero. Now, the problem is we are Americans, and we are performance-oriented. And we think of the Holy Spirit, we think that should happen on the stage. The pastor should call up somebody and dramatically heal them, or pray for this, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Uh, and that's just, you know, there's people who do that, and they have these TV shows and stuff like that. And, God can deal with them about all that. But in general, that's not what this is about. It's about God moving in the midst of believers who care for each other and pray for each other. If you are not intimately engaged in Christian fellowship, you're just likely never to see any of these things. Now, you say, well, if you don't care, then you don't care. But, you know, I want God to do things in my life. I want miracles. I want to be healed when I'm sick. I want to see these different things. Uh, we, I want to have insights and people able to speak into my life that transform my life. But generally, if you're not close to people or involved in some kind of close Christian fellowship, it's just not likely to happen. What are you saying, Pastor Mark? Just coming to church once a Sunday uh, is probably not enough. And add to that that most people don't even come every Sunday. Look, I'm glad you show up at all, at any time. But I'm just saying, if you want these things, you have to seek after them. Remember, seek and ye shall find. So I can't find nothing. Because you don't seek. <laughs> Knock and it shall be open. Pastor, God's not opening anything. Are you knocking? No, I hadn't thought about that. You've got to actively do these things to see God step in and start doing things. He works with us. Uh, which is a whole number, another sermon in itself. All that to say. Look, and, and I'm speaking to a lot of you still at home, uh, and I understand this whole COVID scare and stuff. But really, by this point, you really need to start getting over it. 
And a lot of people now, it's not that they're afraid of COVID, it's that they've gotten comfortable sitting in their pajamas watching church on Sunday morning. And I'm glad you're watching us, and mostly I'm glad I can't see you right now in your underwear watching me on the screen. But uh, listen, it's not the same. I get it. It's a wonderful thing. Some people are on vacation right now because the weather's been so great and stuff. Like, I have no problem with that. This is Wisconsin. Our summers are very short. People want to take advantage of it as much as you can. And it's great that you still connect online. But if you really want to experience God in your life, there's nothing like being here. There's nothing like being connected with other people people. And you cannot, I don't care what anybody says, you cannot experience the same thing at home, on a tablet, or on a campfire, on a tablet. Again, I'm glad there's at least this connection. But if you, you got to get past that at some point. Uh, and if you're still afraid of things, you need to have a little bit of faith. This thing is, is, uh, seems to be passing rather dramatically. Get vaccinated. Do whatever you got to do. But don't just sit there and hide. Uh, and at some point, you got to start coming out. Come out, come out, wherever you are. All right, all your little munchkins. And come out and get involved. Wizard of Oz. How many of you knew what I was just singing? All the old people. Yeah, the what, what was that? I was, is that, you know, a country song? No. Uh, Wizard of Oz movie. So, Wizard of Oz, not the Wizard of Oz. I live the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I may be the Wizard of Oz. Anyway, so anyway, I'm just starting. I'm encouraging, and I'm going to keep prodding you at some point. Get up, get dressed, get connected with people. And even though you can't always be in a service, make sure that you have Christian friends that you can get close to, pray for, and experience God together with them. Because that's when it most likely shows up. That's usually when God shows up. Uh, most likely is in close Christian fellowship. Okay, I'm done. Now we're going to go into our time of communion. I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward. Um, Paul wrote in his epistle when he's writing about communion and gets mad at them for drinking and getting hammered and stuff. He said, listen, you need to take this seriously. And he says, and before you take communion, he says, uses these words, examine yourself. Examine yourself. Where you're, just make sure that you're not doing this casually and you understand this is about forgiveness and grace. And it's a great time to reset in our faith with God and receive forgiveness and grace. All right? So I want everybody to bow your heads. I'm going to pray a prayer of forgiveness over all of us. As I'm praying this, if you can think of anything that you've been struggling with, just confess it to God. You know, say, oh, Pastor, I keep messing up over and over again. Well, welcome to the world. You know, the beautiful thing is we can reset and, uh, uh, and have forgiveness if we simply ask. Uh, so let me pray for all of us here. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, in obedience to the scriptures, we pause now to examine ourselves. If we have sinned against you in any way, thought, word, or deed, maybe something we've done, maybe something that we sh should have done but we didn't do, if we haven't loved our neighbors as ourselves and truly loved you with our whole heart, whatever, we ask you for the sake of your beloved son Jesus who died on the cross for our sins, have mercy on us and forgive us of all our sins. And maybe you're listening this morning as our heads are still bowed. You're maybe thinking, you know, I've, I've never experienced any of this stuff. Or maybe you're watching this online. Maybe you're around the world watching this right, right now and say, I've, I've never experienced Jesus Christ in my life. You know, all you got to do is just pray. Ask him to come into your life. Say, Jesus, come into my life and forgive me of my sins. You can experience this wonderful miracle we're talking about. So well, I don't understand a lot about Christianity. It doesn't matter. 
You don't have to understand anything. All you have to do is believe. You work on the understanding later. Like I said, it's different than everything else. We start out experiencing God, and from there we go on to understand. Just ask Jesus Christ into your life and see what begins to happen in your life. Amen.